Michael, I have great affection for you, and you lead a very rich and interesting life, but you're a bag man, not an attorney. If your intention was to have me committed, you should have kept me in Wisconsin, where the arrest report, the videotape, and eyewitness accounts of my inappropriate behavior would have had jurisdictional relevance. I have no criminal record in the state of New York, and the single determining criterion for involuntary incarceration is danger. Is the defendant a danger to himself or others? You think you got the horses for that? Well, good luck and God bless. But I tell you this, the last place you want to see me is in court. I'm not the enemy. Then who are you? Chris Gowser here with Matt Howell. And this week on the first run, oh boy, we got three films for you. Lord help us all, you included. First up is the difficult to describe critical darling Poor Things, starring Emma Stone. Is it delightfully weird? A little too self-satisfied with its indulgences? Or maybe it's both. It's probably both. Then we check out Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom. The final death rattle of the often disappointing DCEU. Oh, come on. Are we sad to see it go? Is this something that's going to leave us out on a high note? We're going to let you know. And then finally, we'll visit our old pal Zack Snyder in his Star Wars 40K Dune mishmash Rebel Moon. And I didn't even bother to write down what the uh, colon tagline was after that. So It is a child of fire, man. That is fantastic. As always, we will give you the big releases on physical media, give you our straight-to-DVD and streaming picks of the week. Then we will wrap it up by telling you what you should be excited about in 2024 based on what we're excited about in 2024. So I'm guessing that we're going to lead off with this. So let's take a little bit of the twee with some poor things. These two are fighting and ideas are banging around in Bella's head and heart like lights in a storm. Oh. You're always reading now, Bella. You're losing some of your adorable way of speaking. I'm a changingable feast, as are all of we. Apparently, according to Emerson, disagreed with by Harry. Come, come, just come. You're in my son. What? What, indeed. Mark Ruffalo put upon. Matt, what is poor things... Good luck. All about. Yeah. But uh, I'm so glad yeah. I got to. You, we got to lead off with this one because I usually start with the description. So mm-hmm. I'm glad mm-hmm. we got one that's next to impossible to describe. But I'll do my best. Um. So there is a celebrated surgeon named Goodwin or Godwin, um, played by Willem Dafoe, and uh, he finds the body of a young woman along who apparently committed suicide along with uh, her still-living baby, who she was pregnant with at the time, he decides, like a good Victorian mad scientist, to place the baby's brain into Emma Stone's body, uh, the body of her mother. And then we go along for the ride as she quickly matures, starts discovering the world, and trying to figure out uh, what she's into and who she is in a really weird 
weird world. <laughs> I like the Google summary too, because uh, it reads, brought back to life on an Orthodox sinus, a young woman runs off with a lawyer on a whirlwind adventure across the continents. Free from the prejudices of her times, she grows steadfast in her purpose to stand for equality and liberation. And... I mean, it's a very straightforward definition of what this film's about, sure. but in a weird way, it tackles nothing mm-hmm. about what this film, or at least it, it gives you no idea right. what you are in for with this film. And one of the, my favorite things about this is I've heard some things about the film, particularly how racy it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when I sat down, there was a uh, a couple with their two kids in their probably late teens. Okay. Early 20s at the most, but I'm thinking like 19. Okay. And then those kids, like boyfriends and or girlfriends with them. And I just couldn't imagine as a parent having to sit there and watch this film with my kids and their significant others with them. Mm-hmm. As Emma Stone, basically her character, Bella Baxter, discovers herself in more ways than one. Mm-hmm. Repeatedly. Yeah. Over and over in this film in many different ways. Yes. Very fair. So, Matt, let me ask you a question. You kind of, what you talked about in the beginning. Is this a film overwhelmed by its artifice or benefits from it? Christ. I honestly, Chris, I don't know. I mean, you look at the professional critics, you look at people that we follow on Twitter, film Twitter, uh, you know, letterboxed. The general consensus that seems to be that this film is excellent. And I mm-hmm. agree that mm. well wait mm. emma stone's performance is <laughs> is interesting like she's really fully commits to the role obviously mm. and is it yorgos or lorgos i, I feel like I should have... she is she's so good yes yorgos, yorgos. I, yorgos. I, I say yorgos yeah, okay. so I, I don't know so yorgos he definitely has a, a very particular artistic vision and he sees it through and he does it with great amounts of style and competence and just merit. But as I'm watching this thing, I'm not loving it. Like, I appreciate it, but I'm not necessarily having a grand old time. Like, it all seemed very surface level. Like, it didn't seem like it didn't have, like, the weirdness of, like, in depth of a Terry Gilliam film, for example. Like, I don't know what it was, but it was just leaving me cold. That's interesting because Gilliam popped up in my head while watching this as well. And I will say in the beginning, I felt the same way you did. I like I, I, I don't know if I'm on board with this while I'm watching this. I really wasn't sure. And it eventually started to just kind of consume me as it unfurls, as we continue through uh, Bella Baxter's journey of self-discovery and evolution and I became enraptured by Stone's performance because it's very, it starts off very broad. It's very big, right? And I guess kind of it has to be. She's this weird kind of Frankenstein slash Hulk, gigantic kind of hybrid performance in the beginning of the film that slowly evolves as she learns and feels. And it's, it was fascinating and compelling to me because her speech patterns, how she, everything kind of changes through as the film progresses to who she is at the very end. And the verbiage, and I guess this is based on a book, which I was not previously aware of, um, but it it's really interesting how she, not just a line deliveries, but the script itself, because it's 
poetic at times, but it's very stilted a little bit in the beginning. It's like, it has this weird kind of lyrical flowery mammoth version. Like if mammoth wasn't an unrelenting asshole, right? There's a, there's a cadence to it that becomes more focused as she evolves and matures. And I was just caught up in the whole thing. And then you throw all the aesthetic choices in, right? We have this Victorian time period piece but it's clearly with these kind of steampunk, steampunk, excuse me, aesthetics at times, right? And it's entirely over the top as a film. It's entirely outrageous, and for me, all the better for it. I, I really, I just kind of just let myself go and just really enjoyed everything I ended up watching. Mm. Yeah, I don't know. I couldn't really get on its wavelength. I don't know if I ever really got past that maybe the opening kind of vibe that it was putting down. And I don't know if it's a thing that if I, as I sit with it, I'm going to learn to appreciate it more. Or if I view it again, I'll appreciate it more. You know, his films with the exception of the favorite, they're films that I I think almost everyone we've seen, like I didn't love it right away. I mean, I maybe Mm -hmm. started to appreciate it more as we went through it, but even, even compared to his previous works, you know, I still think the favorites better. I still, even though that's a much more straightforward film, I, yeah, it's much more accessible. It is much more accessible or the lost lobster, which is somehow more personal. I just, I don't know. Like, I just feel like to me, it just seems like, a filmmaker or an artist who is given complete free reign to do whatever it is he wants. And he just is indulging all of his whims, whether for good, for good or bad. And I don't, and I think it doesn't always work for me. And I I just, and I feel obviously that I'm in the minority here. So I obviously probably don't know what I'm talking about, but I'm just giving you one person's opinion as far as sitting with the film. I really wanted to like this. I suspect that I wasn't going to, but I really wanted to. And and I don't hate it, but I don't love it. Fine. Fair. What were your thoughts then? Cause I like, we have these chapter title cards that are in black and white, right? And then we'll go next to the next chapter. And that's one of the things I love is a lot of the aesthetic choices, right? Because we have these fisheye lenses, right? We'll zoom in, we'll zoom out with these black and white chapter things. And we'll these vast open scenes of kind of like shocking color all of a sudden. I mean, lots of really fascinating. It's a, it's a fascinating visual experience, at least certainly was for me. Now, I did have one problem with it and I'm still struggling with is... I don't know if Yorgos nails the sexual liberation portion that he's clearly going for here about female empowerment because she finds she finally evolves and becomes the full person she is while she's working in a brothel. Does she need to do that? Does she need to find her final freedom in that way? Still at the point having to succumb to the whims of these men for payment, right? So she can survive and whatever the case may be. At least that's how it starts, right? And she interprets it then or justifies it maybe even uh, as another way for her own personal growth and understanding. I don't 
that's the part I'm hung up on, Matt. I don't know if it's is it like is it still through the male gaze? It's still through a male perspective. Her personal liberation kind of is where I'm. This where I'm kind of swinging. Well, it's hard to say because this is not an original story story by him, right? Now he's adapted right. it, but obviously this took place in this book, and I've never read it. I was unfamiliar with it going forward. Now what I have seen in reading online is that Yorgos has dialed back like the feminine feminist sub subtext and socialist subtext. So mm-hmm. apparently it's a lot heavier and a lot more, um, I don't, I, I hate, I don't know, radical, aggressive, um, you know, forefront that he's got it here. So maybe that's just a, what you're feeling from that kind of final chapter is, you know, his doing, but it is a part of the story, but he took away some of the stuff that would maybe make it more palatable to you. I I don't know. Um, Mm. But I I don't know. So, but, but again, the weird thing again, and this is going to sound terrible. The weird thing is about sex work. Right. And, and this is just Mm -hmm. getting very, you know, outside the confines of the film on one hand, there's this idea that they're just workers like everybody else. You should respect them for what they do. But then at the same time, it still has a stigma. And like people say the same thing, you know, in the same breath. Like, I, I don't yeah. know. I don't know what it is. Like, I, I I don't know. I really don't know. I don't know if it's a, if it's a, you know, a feature of the story itself or if it's really that Yorgos just took too much out of it to make it worthwhile. Or if we're being too prudish, maybe we should enlighten ourselves. I have no idea. Fair enough. And now the thing too, before we move on, before we close out the conversation, I think we'd be remiss if we didn't discuss a couple other performances in this film. Particularly, I want to focus on, uh, first off, Willem Dafoe, who I think brings a lot of depth and earnestness to this role. And in a role that I think could, well, in a film that could, I think easily spiral out of control at any moment. Uh, It does not, and he does not, and he brings a real sense of warmth and um, kind of paternal presence to the film. Obviously, that's one of the things they're going for. But when you think through the, when he shares his little moments about his youth and his growing up and these things done to him by his father through experimentation, right? Um, I don't know. There is just, or as I said, a real earnestness to him in this role. And then for me, Ruffalo who I think is the most fun I've had with him in any role that I've ever seen. He is, is a, not only is he a gas in this, but he is a gas. And every t- I just absolutely loved him in this. As the Lothario who steals her away from her betrothed for this fanciful trip and then eventually becomes the put-upon man who is broken by her. And his I, one of my just deep belly laughs when he is like, this is one reaction. So I was like, <gasps> you know, it's just, it's, I don't know. It's just so over the top and so enjoyable that uh, for me, it'll, it's stone is the star. The whole thing hinges on her and she pulls it off. And it's, I think the best thing she's ever done, the best performance I've ever seen her in. And she's fantastic in this, but again, but I just want to say too, Ruffalo was just, uh, was just a lot of fun. Yeah, he really is a lot of fun. And I do like, you know, I agree with you with Defoe. And, uh, you know, I like nod to the, you know, makeup department. His, his, uh, mm-hmm. his, his makeup is pretty, it's pretty good. I liked it. 
Yeah, absolutely, Matt. So uh, I guess that's that. I would love to have talked to that family afterwards and thought what they, you know, see what they thought about. Well, who was more horrified, the parents or the children? I'm going with the children. We're probably way more, probably. Hor- way more horrified than probably. So what are you going to end up giving uh, poor things? Matt? Yeah, this is I and I understand. You know, write me all the hate mail that you want. I just don't know how I feel about it, so I'm just going to come down right in the middle and give it a C. I, I mean, I just don't know. I really don't. I don't. I just I. I can't. I don't feel right giving it a higher score just based on a performance and the way it looks and the way it's put together, versus how it made me feel as a piece of entertainment and a piece of art. Like it just left me confused because I'm an idiot. Fair apparently, I'm sitting at an A minus because I'm still struggling with the sexual politics of the film. Mm. I'm, I'm. I haven't decided where how I feel about it yet. Uh, but independent of that, everything else was just in fact engrossing fascinating and uh a trip well worth taking i think matt i don't watch it with inappropriate members of your family <laughs> like uh if you have a kid grandkids or grandma your peepaw and your mom mima something like i i'm just telling you folks there are some really uncomfortable awkward scenes uh, yeah, for for yeah. Some, certain people. I think I would say don't watch it with any members of your family because it's going to be weird. <laughs> it's going to it's going to get real weird. Siblings maybe, but that's about as far as it goes. If you're close to the same age, I would say. Yeah, fair enough. So, uh, four things is currently playing in theaters. If you had a chance to see it, we'd love to hear your thoughts. Shoot us an email at feedback at thefirstrun.com. Matt, let's go ahead and do the next film. But which do you want to do? I'll let you choose. You want to do Aqu- Aquaman or do you want to do uh, Rebel Moon? Uh, let's do Aquaman, I think. Let's go. Four years ago, I was basically unemployed. A wanderer with no home. But now, I'm a husband and a father. And I wouldn't have it any other way. <laughs> I'm I did it, Pops. My job was a little less stressful than yours. Oh yeah, I finally got a job. I'm the king of Atlantis. Half a billion people from every known species in the sea call this place home. But that doesn't mean they all like me. I'm gonna kill Aquaman and destroy everything he holds dear. I'm gonna murder his family and burn his kingdom to ash. That sounds harsh, Matt. James Wan, Momoa, Patrick Wilson, Amber Heard, mostly. Yaha Abdul-Mateen. Everybody's back for Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom. One of the great things about that first Aquaman film was just how weird it was. And the world that Wan builds under the sea. Feel free to sing along, under the sea. Uh, But still, it... It's a chance really to expand that, right? To get bigger, bolder, to see even more crazy stuff, Matt. And uh, But we're not going to introduce any new villains. Nothing really new this time, right? We're going to bring back, bring, uh, bring back, as the kids say, Black Manta. Still, I will confess, one of my all-time favorite comic book character villain designs. Because it's so patently ridiculous at times, but it still looks cool as hell. And we're going to give Black Manta his own little super special supernatural trident, 
which soups him up, gives him some superpowers, strength, some, you know, improved vulnerability, invulnerability, maybe a better word. And he's able to go up, you know, mano a mano, face to face, hand to hand uh, to uh, Momoa's Aquaman this time, where he has to enlist his brother, spring him from uh, the whatever the underwater or desert version of the Huskow is in the Aquaman world so they can team up and defeat black men and save Atlantis and all of the uh, kingdoms. Matt, is this a fitting send-off? Are you a little reminiscent or at least weepy that we didn't get to see more Momoa potentially as Aquaman or continue the DCU? Is this a nice way to wrap things up? So I'm on record. I really surprisingly enjoyed the first Aquaman. I think it's really leans into its silliness and it ends up being a lot of fun. Here it's not as good as the first one. Like I didn't have as much fun with it. And I think it's, there's a few reasons for that. One, it's not as coherent, right? It's not as focused, um, which is a mm. weird thing to say. It's kind of all over the place. Tries to do more uh, to its detriment. I think there's too much going on in this film and it weirdly is cribbing from all kinds of other films. So like, help me out, Chris, in the opening of the film, there is a long, which I think you heard some of it, a long monologue, like a voiceover uh, by yeah. Momoa describing what has happened. What is that from? I feel like that is extremely from something else. And it's it's it, it just seems so familiar to me, but I cannot place what film that they seem to be ripping off. Oh, I don't know. I'm not entirely sure. Here's the problem, too, with uh, The Lost Kingdom is I, I saw this two weeks ago. Yeah. I don't really remember much of it. Also true of me as well. I mean, it's, I agree with you. It's, it, although it has some fun moments, it's not as over the top and crazy as the first film is. In fact, I realized that when I'm watching it, is they're doing this kind of speed run through the volcano and they're trying to distract or get the attention of the guards by doing this really just bad bird calls, like almost like a caca, caca type thing, right? And it was, the funniest thing and the most enjoyable thing of the movie for me. And I'm thinking, why isn't the rest of the movie like this? Because it's not. Right? I mean, we have some Skull Island type stuff where we have the creature designs, which again, I will say they're good, you know, but it's just, it, you're right. It doesn't have the magic. There's something missing this time out. We even get Martin Short as a one of this weird kind of sea creature, head of a black market, you know, piratey type of guy, right? But it also has some really lazy needle drops. I mean, just cliched, bad, not really that so much. So I don't even remember what they are now. I just was, that was one of my notes when I got out of the theater. I'm like, how many times are we going to hear this song over and over with this, you know, with the rock and roll type stuff? I think Momoa's fine, but it's almost a letdown after seeing how dynamic he can be in Fast and Furious X or 10, either way. I think that the drama with him is not that engaging, especially when you have a mostly absent Mira throughout the whole thing. I mean, having to rescue their son felt like it had no emotional stakes. It just more felt like a plot device, perfunctory thing, so we can move things along and really add some stakes potentially to the film, right? And then one of the big issues I had too is Randall Parks, Dr. Shin, who is so painfully obvious a character. Right. He's he's like, I don't know if you remember that old Jordan Peele sketch where uh, him and Michael, him and Key are, um, they're going back and forth where Key will say something and then, and then uh, Peele will go, well, that just happened. 
It's like, no, what just happened? What just happened? You know, right? But that was his character for the whole thing, really, right? Or he's going to be obviously the turn guy. He's going to make the turn to help people, right? And it's just, I think Juan mostly just trips up here, unfortunately. I Maybe he's too focused on bigger and forgets to do better and create something that's truly engaging. Right. Yeah, I think you get a, they, they kind of lose sight of the weirdness and just the kind of, you know, action and just winking ridiculousness that they had in the first one. And there's just too much going on as far as trying to keep all this disparate and balls up in the air. Now I was doing some looking while you were talking. Apparently maybe this is it that the opening monologue is very similar to the opening monologue. I guess the opening of love and thunder, which I guess Thor basically does the same thing, talks through everything that's happened. Uh, in it and i guess it's also i guess uh, close to the end of the black of black panther where t'challa is kind of narrating everything that kind of goes on afterwards um yeah and then obviously the ending of it is is you know ripped off from iron man so i i don't know like i don't know what james wan was doing here i don't know because they knew it was ending they just decided not to throw any more effort into it and they're just like well this is what we got let's just put it out there and you know, call it a day and move on to Mr. Gunn and see what he's got for us. I, I don't know, but it's just not fun, which I, I, it, while the first one isn't good, it was fun and I had a good time watching it. Whereas I can't even say that here. Yeah. We got his seahorse steed thing, which I was happy to finally see really. We have Topo, which is the octopus kind of secret agent. And that's okay. Right. I mean, that's the whole thing. The most the movie is mostly just okay. Uh, again, I think that uh, Abdul Mateen's Black Manta. I mean, I'm glad he gets an expanded role when he was mostly just kind of like a side character in the first film. But I don't know. I felt like when we were supposed to go to what's it called? Is it like Necris or something like that? The uh, the Lost Kingdom. I it just I wanted more out of that than just having it be there the last 20 minutes for the big last action set piece i think maybe it's because the trailer made it look like maybe that some people would be possessed and turn like into zombie living dead things and they'd have to fight and that i don't know i mean i guess we didn't get entirely cheated to i would have fight with the dead king of the guy things whatever he's called but didn't get much out of it i don't know i don't know I think he's just more interested in spectacle and new creatures than he is in, in devoting any investment for us in the story. And I think that's where it eventually kind of falls apart for me. So I don't know. I He says he's open. Momoa is open to continuing to play Aquaman. Fine. Though I, I think Lobo is a better fit for him. And I don't know what uh, uh, I think uh, Gunn is, would be smart to keep him around in some capacity. So uh, we'll see what happens going forward. Though we're not going to get like a DC film till what? Superman? Right? 2025? I don't count Joker's next year, but I don't... I'm not counting that because it's not... Is is Superman coming before Batman, the Batman deuce? It doesn't matter. They're not connected. Okay. Um, I guess uh, they officially... They asked him. They uh, Gunn asked... um, Reed. Yeah, if he wants him to be, if he wants that Batman in there, and he said, no, I want to keep it its own separate thing. Yeah, makes sense. So, yeah, yeah. So it's the first film, I guess, will be uh, Legacy. 
Yeah. So okay. Not another year. Got a year plus. I have to look forward to Joker. Too. Can't wait to watch Lady Gaga hamming it up. Super excited for it. I hated that first film so much. I'm really curious to see what's going to happen. Yeah. How upset I'm going to be in the second film. But you know what? Maybe this is a good thing because maybe we just need to take a break from all that stuff. I honestly, I don't even know what Marvel films are coming out this year. Like, are there any coming out this year? Or are they finally taking a break? It has to be. I know Yoon dropped out of Thunderbolts, but there's no way that was going to be coming out next year anyway. I cannot think of, of a 2024 Marvel movie. Oh, well, you got Madam Web, but that's a Sony film. Gross. Craven is a Sony film. Gross. That's coming out this year. That got pushed out. Uh, what else? Deadpool 3. Okay, that I that I am interested in seeing. Confirmed supposedly in Deadpool 3 are Sabretooth, Toad, Electra, and something called Dogpool. Is that a dog that dresses mm-hmm. like him? Yeah. Venom 3. Gross. So, Again, so far Sony. you're giving me all Sony stuff. Spider-Man Behind the Spider-Verse, which I'm assuming may pop up yeah. in some list. Well, I think I, I think I so. meant more in the sense of MCU films. Yeah, I don't see anything. That's crazy. Maybe it's There's for the best. Shows. It's for the best. There's some shows, Echoes, coming out in a couple weeks. Or next, actually, uh, shortly. Agatha, Coven of Chaos is in this fall. Is a friendly neighborhood Spider-Man show? Eyes of Wakanda and Marvel Zombies and X-Men 97. Is it like a reboot of the cartoon from the 90s? I believe, I believe. so, yeah. And I think the well, Spider-Man show is animated. Yeah. I had no idea. I realized there's no MCU movies coming out next year. Like, official? I mean, I... Because these are all Sony films. Craven and... Well, to, well Deadpool so Deadpool 3 would be it. Deadpool 3 would be it, yeah. Because that's not a technical... That's officially an MCU film. But yeah, I think looking at it, Thunderbolts and Blade is it for 2025. It seems they're really slowing down on making these films. And I'm sure the writer and actor strike had a lot to do with it, but still. That's true. And then Majors was convicted. Yeah. Oh, was he convicted? I, didn't, I, did not, yeah. I did not know that. I didn't know he was convicted. Well, he was found guilty. I don't. I think it was. A, it was. A, I shouldn't say that. I think that was a civil case. Oh, it was a civil case. He, so he was found liable. Yeah, he was. Yeah. Um, whatever it is, he got popped, and they fired him. He's gone. I did think they did release him from his contract. So, ooh, Coleman Domingo rumored to be the new Kang. Well, that's interesting. I do love him. Well, I, was kind of, I had somebody else in mind, but man, talk about falling from grace. Though I remember, you know, supposedly majors, there was behind the scenes chatter about him for years. I didn't hear about it until last year. Unless some inside guy who works on Hollywood film sets is like tweeted out once. There's like an up and coming star everybody loves as an absolute monster. And rumor was that it was, he ended up talking, yeah, it was about majors. Man, I just think about Last Black Man in San Francisco. Man. What a horrible person. It stinks. Anyway. So, where are we? Aquaman, part two. C plus for me, Matt. C plus. I enjoyed enough of it where 
you know, it's a fine, for me, it was a fine way to go out. You know, really, that's what it was. The most innocuous and inoffensive way for DC to go out for me. Didn't bother me. Inoffensive. Relatively forgettable. Kind of like most of the films in the entire run. Mm-hmm. So, Yeah. Um, I guess I'd give it a C, but that doesn't feel... Yeah, I guess I'll give it a C. Because I didn't hate it. Like, a C minus seems too harsh. So I'm going to give it a C. Yeah, the interplay between Momo and Patrick Wilson is certainly fun enough. Entertaining enough, yeah. Yeah, you know, the, the bad guys hanging out in a volcano, James Bond villain style. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of nice little touches, you know, that are... It's just that problem. They're all just nice little touches where nothing ever kind of comes fully together. So, there you go. That's that. Aquaman and uh, The Lost Kingdom. Is that what we're calling it? Currently in theaters. What are your thoughts? Shoot us an email at feedback at thefirstrun.com. Good night, Snyderverse. You had your moments. Overall, for me, a crushing failure. <laughs> the DC- so I did get to see Dr. Fate on the big screen, yeah. and a pretty good one at that. Yeah, yeah, he was good. I think really, I think the only film, the only film that I truly, without reservations, enjoyed was Shazam, the first one. But even that's got weird issues because of how dark it is at times. Yeah, like lighting dark or like theme dark? No, thematically. Yeah. No, I guess the only other one I would say is the first Aquaman. Those are the only two that I actually really recall enjoying. Well, the first Wonder Woman. Yeah, okay. I liked the... I, it's okay, but I think where I'm a little tempered on that or tepid on Wonder Woman is everybody talking about how great it was and i'm like guys stop it's not it's it's okay it's important because it's the first female big blockbuster led superhero film but it's not great i'm looking at our list here that we put together we had man we i think we negotiated man of steel as one shazam is two wonder woman three justice league zack snyder's justice league as four the Suicide Squad at 5, Batman vs. Superman, Dawn of Justice at 6, Aquaman 7, The Flash. I popped this in there at 8, mm, I think. Okay. And then I have Aquaman The Lost Kingdom after that. Okay. And then I go Birds of Prey, Shazam 2, Wonder Woman 84, Black Adam, um, Justice League, and then The Suicide Squad. Pulling up the You mean movies. just Suicide Squad? Or The yeah. Suicide Squad, yeah. Just Suicide That's Squad, Ayer's film. I might put Ayer's Suicide Squad above Just uh, Justice League, though. Yeah, yeah. God, look at all that, all that waste. I, mean, I was so excited for 1984, and it was just not. God, that's such a great trailer, and they totally wasted it. It was, man. The f- yeah, little new order, With, uh, really perfect. Our boy there, it, yeah. Pedro. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just a mess. And you know what? The Suicide Squad, Guns, of the Suicide Squad, it was pretty good, but it, man, it. J- the the peacemaker show just put that damn thing to shame by far the peace yeah. the peacemaker show is the best dceu product that that is out there hands down i think so i think you're right about that can i add that in here is that it's not a film so i don't know if i can let's see if it shows up here on uh, letterboxd well i can add the george clooney movie the peacemaker <laughs> nice people will know what you meant peacemakers you just put a little note underneath it <laughs> I've uh I've my New Year's resolution one of one of hundreds that I'm sure I mostly won't keep is to update my letterbox every time I watch something. Oh. I am kind of curious because I don't ever track it. Yeah, and I do like to track things and make lists and stuff, right? Yeah. So I'm going to start doing that. 
So I have tracked everything I've watched so far this year. Now we're recording this on the 3rd of January. Right. So I haven't watched a lot, but. Yeah, I try to be really, I try to be on top of it to, to track everything that I've watched. Now I will say I'm not as good about it if it's something I've seen before about putting it in there, mm-hmm. but, but I try and do it. I'm going to do that too. So what do I have in here right now? Today I had my first rewatch of the year of Rope. Um, that's more of a background movie for me. I'll pop it on wall. If I'm working on something for work, that's fairly innocuous. So there's, I'm just, you know, moving something, you know, designing something, whatever, doing something artsy wise, I can have something on. And I had that on today. And then I have Blackberry, The Sting, and uh, Poor Things. So the four things I've watched so far this year. That's the second or third time, third time I've watched The Sting. I haven't watched it though in a few years. And I'm actually halfway through um, Out of the Past right now, which is a, a, a noir film I really like. Yeah, enough. Let's keep rolling. It's going to be a long enough show as it is, Matt. Jeez. Let's talk about what's coming up on physical media. Not only this cup coming Tuesday, January 9th, but a couple of things that came out January 2nd because I was on the uh, injured reserve. Still struggling a little bit here. Coughing a bit every now and then, but you won't hear it because I'm a master of the mute button. If I need to hit that button, I will immediately. I hit it immediately. Like that I did there. That was a little trick. Little little joke, physical media. You know, in Greece, they would cut off the head of the messenger that brought the bad news. That don't make much sense. No. Made them feel better. Well, first off, Julian, I don't know what the story is in Greece, but in this state, we got very definite laws about that. Master the mute forgot to hit the unmute itself. <laughs> I thought you just cut the that the, the clip was messed up and you just cut it super short. That's there's that too. It did kind of fade out a little too quickly there. That's my fault. But coming in actually, that one is from the at number. Get three coffins ready. Hello. Huh? I got it's a new year, Matt. We got to come up with some new numbers here. You know, I forgot the Criterion Channel lets you actually, if you watch it on your laptop, you can do. I think it's on. I think you do the same thing on uh, Vimeo, where you can pull up the script next to the film and do search, do a key search for words. So uh, I'll do that uh, at some point. Blood Simple, Matt, being released by the Criterion Collection. This is a 4K release coming out on January 9th. That's what you just heard. It includes, I had forgotten that Barry Sonnenfeld shot this film. Uh, includes the, it's a new 4K restoration approved by Sonnenfeld as well as Joel and Ethan Cohen. Basically, the film that launched the careers of the Cohen brothers and includes some uh, archival features as well. But I do believe, remember folks, that this is an edited version of the film. They'd made a couple scene changes in this that they didn't care for. So this will not be the original version that you know and love. Now, I will confess off the top of my head, I cannot remember what those are. All I remember is that this is that is there is a very slight difference in the film from the original release. So there you go. What's up next? Number five. Suitable Flesh. This is based on a Lovecraft property coming out on the 9th uh, featuring Roller Girl herself, Heather Graham, as well as Barbara Crampton. Uh, Graham plays a psychiatrist. Matt would become obsessed with one of her young clients who has multiple personalities. 
Uh, I think it's going to be on Shutter if it's not already as well. So you can pick it up on physical media. Next up. Four. I think we got to keep four. I love four so much. It's Rodney. Uh, Criterion, this came out actually on the second. Criterion is releasing the Apu trilogy in 4K. You get 4K restorations of all three films. And uh, without, what else do you have? You have the 4K disc and Blu-rays as well. And the Blu-rays have all the special features that were on the previous release. So uh, you can upgrade that one if you'd like. Looks like we're shy one horse. <laughs> you brought two too many. This came out in the second mat. The Holdovers, a film we just did for the show with uh, your boy Giamatti, is uh, currently out right now on Blu-ray. So you can pick up that one. And then finally... There can be only one! Had the cough. Was talking entirely too much. Uh, number one, Matt, is going to be... I didn't get to see this when they had their 4K touring revival. I think it played like one night, and I didn't get a chance to go that night. But Neon, uh, affiliated, uh, working with Decal releasing uh, this upcoming Tuesday the 9th, is putting out Old Boy in 4K. It's sold out a lot of places, but if you search, you might be able to find it. It uh, comes in a slip case. It has some art prints with it. Brand new 4K restoration from the original camera negative supervised by Park Chan-wook. Uh, audio commentaries, and then there's a second Blu-ray filled with extras, including a feature-length documentary from 2016, deleted scenes, a new interview with Park Chan-wook and Nicholas Winding Ruffin, and uh, more. But I've pre-ordered this through my local video store, Vi uh, Viper Video, and I cannot wait for it to come. So, uh, yeah, you're going to be upgrading your old boy, Matt. Do you have old boy physical media? I don't have old boy at all on any physical media. Yeah, Amazon has it for like 75 bucks. Wow, that's But nuts. everybody else has it for, it's 50. It's going to run you 50 if you can still find it. Uh, but I would grab it now. I don't think this is, it's, it's not going to be, I don't think this is going to be available for very long, at least in this edition, and it's absolutely gorgeous. Now, maybe you can wait for a more traditional standard release down the road. But this is neon in decal, so I have no idea. This is not like a Warner Brothers release where you're guaranteed to have a stripped-down version. And then uh, 4K, Matt, get Varsity Blues is getting released in 4K. Your straight-to-DVD pick of the week, I'm going to go with Deliver Us. When a nun in a remote convent, Matt, is found to be pregnant, the Vatican sends a team of priests to investigate. Sadly, neither of them are Russell Crowe. Concerns grow that an ancient prophecy is about to be fulfilled, that a woman will give birth to twin boys, one the Messiah, the other the Antichrist, and the ensuing battle will determine the fate of the world. And I cannot wait because all I could think of is that the movie then, the kid, you know, it's like 20 minutes, half hour. And I'll say 80 minutes of horror, what's going to happen? And then ghostly things, you know, mirrors breaking, crosses flipping upside down, crashes, something like that. And then the kids are born and then the babies duke it out. That's what I want to see. It's <laughs> <laughs> the two babies fighting each other yeah. to determine what the, sh the fate of the world uh, sign me up for that. That would be pretty awesome. Especially now, if they had like some like kung fu movies like dubbing in there. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> like Matrix style stuff. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. What should we what should we be streaming this week? Baby fight. So I we I'm gonna recommend a new one. Uh, a film that we just watched a few weeks ago, Saltburn, is available on Amazon Prime. Mm. If you wanna watch You gonna recommend it? Yeah, I'm gonna recommend it. I mean it, look. Look at you. I mean Despite what I said about the film, it is it is a new release. It is something that's relatively fresh. So even if I don't necessarily love it, you know, mm -hmm. some people do, like one half of the show. And, uh, you know, 
I think it's worth people going out mm-hmm. and make up their own minds. That is another great one to watch for the family. Absolutely. You should really have a family movie night, you know, get a pizza, sit down with the kids, you know, turn on your Amazon Prime and just really, really get to experience it. It's going to be great. And you can answer some really difficult questions afterwards. And I don't like the Stefan Matz parade here because he owns a streaming pick. But I think I would be remiss if I did not point out if you were a Criterion Channel uh, subscriber. Ken Russell's The Devils is currently available. And it's very rarely can you watch this film. It's banned still in a bunch of countries. We did it for our band marathon a couple years ago. And I think it's fantastic. And it is currently, I don't believe it's the full unedited version, but there's still enough in this cut. That's kind of, that's going to make you feel weird and uncomfortable, but it's definitely worth checking out. So uh, The Devils is currently on Criterion right now. Watch it while you can. All right, Matt, let's go ahead and keep rolling and spend a few minutes talking about the latest Zack Snyder joint, Rebel Moon, Child of Fire. When I found you in the wreckage of that ship, I considered leaving you. I was afraid you could bring trouble to us. What do you think they want? We're not a threat. They won't just kill us, will they? We're delusional. You think those soldiers will show their mercy? Stop. That's someone talking to Snyder right now. They're saying, stop. Please stop making movies. Stop. Matt, have you ever wondered what it would have been like, what it would be like to see that Star Wars slash Seven Samurai matchup you kind of created in your senior year of high school, like on the big screen there, or at least on your television, kind of, and then maybe somebody threw $166 million at you, because I think this is what you'd get. What are your thoughts on, uh, you want to talk about what Rebel Moon's all about? Because I'm having some uh, coughing issues right now. Sure. Yeah. So Rebel Moon is, uh, it's the far future. Uh, there is something called the mother world, which is basically the head of a human empire that is spans the stars and has been around for thousands and thousands of years. Apparently the king or the emperor is assassinated, throws everything into turmoil. And, uh, there's a bunch of, uh, rebel bands fighting up against the evil empire. Stop me if you've heard this before. Well, the empire mm. shows up, uh, at a distant moon, demanding uh, service and food and just basically brutalizing the inhabitants where a lone woman is sent to go find some warriors to help them fight the evil empire. Again, stop me if you've heard this one before. <laughs> <laughs> and my boy, Charlie Hunnam's in it. Mm-hmm. And whenever I, whenever I see him now show up in a movie, I'm amazed all over again by how much I enjoy him and uh, Guy Ritchie's The Gentleman. I think he's one of the best things about that film. That's one of those weird two highly rewatchable films. It gets better every time I watch it. And 
Like he's so good in that. And then I think about everything I've else I've seen him in, except what's that? Uh, what is it? The, the Lost City? Yeah, uh, the Lost City of called? C. Yeah, he's pretty good in that yeah, too. Not bad. But man, this brings me back to my old issues with Chuck. Well, it there's really there's does. so many issues that just get. I mean, that just probably is one in a long list here. So yeah, what are your thoughts on Rebel Moon? How did it shake out for you? Are you happy to see a new Zack Snyder joint out there? I mean, here's the thing: Zack Snyder usually has visually interesting films and like that have you know pretty good action sequences that are a lot of times very creative. I honestly, this is God, this is just boring and like that is just unacceptable for this kind of mega action action film. Like it, it wears all of its influences so heavily on its sleeve. It's so cribbed, which is, can't be something that you can hold it against it because everything that it's cribbing against has been cribbed against other things, but it just does it poorly and fan fictiony and sloppy. And it's got some interesting, I guess, tech stuff, but like he leans into like his, his tricks of slow motion and, it's just it's just not exciting at all. The acting is bad. Honestly, the most interesting thing in this is quickly abandoned in like the first fifteen minutes. After like it, it, the whole robot uh, AI warrior like uprising thing, I thought had could have been something particularly interesting. But well, that's going to be part two, right? But I mean, part one is so bad. Why couldn't they have just made the whole thing about part you know about the robots? Yeah, I, I will say that's the first thing I wrote down in my notes was, would somebody please remove the slow-mo button from his editing bay? Please. Over and over again. This film is probably actually would have been 20 minutes shorter if they'd removed that from him. And uh, I, yeah, you probably wouldn't have needed to split it up into two parts if you got rid of at least half that slow-mo. But I'm going to tell you something. I didn't hate it. Really? I didn't. All right. Yeah, it's... I mostly enjoyed it for its kind of just... It just felt kind of like big, dumb fun to me. It's oddly bloodless, I assume, because they're going for a PG-13 rating. Because I think... Though I did read that prior to the release of Part 2, there will be an R-rated cut that will be available on Netflix. So I'm assuming that's where your blood and stuff is going to come in. But... As in a, air quotes, possibly the largest air quotes I've ever made, as an original property. For a sci-fi kind of adventure film. Uh, okay. I mean, it, I, like I said, I didn't hate it. All right. I didn't. It, it, no painful needle drops, which I really appreciated. Mm-hmm. We had a, basically a full Hulkenberg score. So I was happy about that. But and outside of the slow-mo stuff, I mean, it's vintage Snyder. And if you like his stuff, I think you're going to enjoy this. I like that it was originally pitched as a, to Disney as a Star Wars film back in 2012. And they rejected it. Clearly, you can see the, uh, like Matt said, the influences are all over this thing. And that's one of the big hang-ups I have with it. It is that, just watch, even though we've seen things remade, that's the whole, the, the Magnificent Seven, right? That's a remake of The Seven Samurai. The uh, 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 Fistful of Dollars is Yojimbo. I mean, all that stuff. 
But I would rather watch this than watch Fuqua's Magnificent Seven reboot. That's for damn sure. Well, okay, fine. I agree with you there. I would watch this again before I watched <laughs> Antoine Fuqua's uh, Magnificent Seven remake. And I, and you know, and I can't, I can't knock it. I mean, you know, Lucas cribbed a ton from Kurosawa and the Seven mm-hmm. Samurai in particular. Uh, he, you know this is cribbing off of Warhammer 40 K, but 40 K cribbed off of Dune a lot. So like you can't, I don't mind the kind of homages or the kind of looking at the influences. It's just that it's not particularly well done. It just need, it needed more time. And I can't tell, I can't tell if, if Zack Snyder is better directing films that he didn't write or based on stories he didn't write. Mm-hmm. And if it's really his writing, that's the problem because he's just too self-indulgent to kind of be critical to what the writing is. I don't know, Matt. He said this supposedly the stories by him as well as a screenplay. He wrote it with two other people. So, okay. Cause I'm trying to think. So obviously 300 <laughs> is, is good. That's not an original property. I don't know if he wrote the script for Dawn of the dead, but obviously that was based off of, a prior property. So, and that's also good. I'm trying to think, did he write man of steel? Um, I'll tell you right now. He did not. I just, and like he wrote 300, but like you said, it's an adaptation. He did not write Watchmen. He did not write Dawn of the dead. He did not write Batman versus Superman. Dawn of just, I that was what Chris Terrio story for one Roman story for justice league. Did not well. Da, 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 da. Zach, uh, he wrote story for Zack Snyder's Justice League. Wrote Army of the Dead. Mm-hmm. Story for Army of Thieves. But yeah, he wrote Rebel Moon. So here's the films he's wrote or written: Three Hundred, Sucker Punch. Oh, <laughs> some Sucker Punch. Three Hundred, Rise of an Empire. He wrote, did not direct. I did not see the sequel. I didn't either. Even though it has Eva Green. Uh, Army of the Dead, Rebel Moon, Rebel Moon Part Do, The Scar Giver. So I don't know if there's any link there. Jumon uh, Hansu is in this, kind of just there, delivering lines. Uh, I like Ray Fisher in it. I was happy to see Ray Fisher get yeah, some okay. work. I think he got screwed out of a career basically by yeah. Warner Brothers. Yeah, he seems to be having a good time there. And uh, Sophia Butella, kind of again standard heroine could really have been anybody sure i think you know and that's a lot of issues predicting with most of the characters in the film but when it wrapped up matt after 134 minutes with 20 minutes of that of being slow-mo i was like you know i'll watch the second part of this i'll watch that mm-hmm. and we got some you know we're our our empire are much closer to nazis this time which i always appreciate <laughs> that we have the subtext be text so ed screen doing his best ss officer kind of commander thing is fine with me sure and uh, though I'd, I was kind of hoping for more of a Darth Vader transformation for him at the end. Sure. Can they be souped up in some kind of way? Uh, though he does have this weird tentacle monster thing that injects him or something. I don't know. I, I know he's banging that thing in some capacity. But uh, yeah, I gave Rebel Moon Child of Fire. Fire I'm at a C-. Yeah, I'm going to give it a D. Is not good. But Escro said, I'm going to watch the second one just because I have to watch this train wreck. The rest of it. And now I'm stuck watching the R-rated version too because I want to see. True. I'll probably watch that too. So who's the fool? That's right. Yep. 
And then uh, Jenna Malone's in it. She plays the weird spider yeah. alien lady. I know. I recognize it. I was like, oh, is that Jenna Malone? Good for her. Spider alien monster things always freak me the hell out. Yeah. I don't like spiders. Yeah, that's that. she was pretty creepy in that. So, there you go. Rebel Moon Child of Fire Mask, currently streaming on Netflix. If you've had a chance to see it, we'd love to hear your thoughts. I'm trying not to get my cough drop in the mic, but I think I'm failing. I was like, you should have seen me. I was going to think choke myself out there. Talk. This is the most I've spoken since I was sick. This is really starting to bother me. I should probably stop rattling on right now. Netflix, feedback at firstrun.com. Let us know your thoughts. Matt, let's close up the show and share. Well, this is smart of me. 10 films we're looking forward to in uh, 2024. His dock doesn't float. His wonder fuel is a disaster. His grasp of disruption theory is remedial at best. He didn't design the puzzle boxes. He didn't write the mystery. Et voila! It all adds up. The key to this entire case. And it was staring me right in the face. Like everyone in the world. I assumed Miles Braun was a complicated genius. But why? Look into the clear center of this glass onion. Miles Braun is an idiot. Oh, please, just tell us who tried to kill me. Uh, nobody tried to kill you, you vainglorious buffoon. That's right, supposedly, Matt, there is a Knives Out third film going to come out in 2024. Maybe. I, I, I don't know. It's uh, tentatively on the schedule for some point this year, but I don't know if that's going to happen. I hope it does. I've really enjoyed the first two films, so I'd be excited for a third. But um, we'll see. Since it's tentative, it doesn't get the list. It will, probably wouldn't have broken my top ten regardless. But uh, there you go, Matt. So why don't you uh, start us off? What is the tenth film you're most excited about? Or tenth most excited about? Okay. What ten? Sure. The film that you're tenth. The, the, my, the, my most, my tenth most anticipated film. Mm. Yeah, there you go. So my 10th most anticipated film is a throwback to my 80s childhood. There were certain shows that I really liked when the 80s, Magnum P.I., Simon and Simon, and this one, The Fall Guy, about a stuntman who, honestly, I remember he had a big brown truck, and that's all I can remember. He was a stuntman, and he had a big brown truck, but I cannot remember literally anything else about what that was. But I do remember liking it. And I do really enjoy Ryan Gosling quite a bit. He is quite delightful. So I am looking forward to his turn as uh, the fall guy. And I'm hoping it's going to be funny as hell. That trailer whips. It is a cracking trailer, let me tell you. Mm. So, uh, yeah. I hope they have the theme song, though, in some capacity. I know. They better. I never spent much time in school, but I taught ladies <laughs> plenty. It's my uh, theme, by the way. That was fantastic. So uh, my number 10 is, it should be my number nine. I keep flipping, flopping these back and forth. You know, it doesn't matter. My number 10 is going to be Ty West and uh, uh, Mia Goth's Maxine. TBD in 2024, West wraps up his Mia Goth trilogy here, where now we're set in the 80s, and supposedly this is supposed to be an homage to Dario Argento. supposed to be exceptionally gory and over the top. Filled with lots of color and insanity. 
and I cannot wait. In fact, it makes me think it'd actually be my number eight. But right now, um, I guess we'll say Maxine's my 10. Could be my nine, probably my eight. But I mentioned it now. Yeah. So Maxine. So it's your 10. Book it. Sure. All right. So my number nine is the latest entry in a franchise that I am all in on. So I am willing to give it the benefit of that in any event is the John Wick prequel or kind of in between three and four ballerina starring yeah. Anna de Armas. I, I have high confidence in the John Wick films, so I'm always curious to go check them out. We'll you know, that little spy scene in, you know, James Bond for Anna de Armas was pretty good. So I'll be interesting to see what uh, they can do with the, the John Wick peeps. And of course, Keanu comes back for a little cameo at least. So there you go. Yeah, that's an honorable mention for me. It's not a John Wick proper film, and I don't know what to expect. And I don't think Stileski is directing it either, so I was a little weary of that, but we'll see. I have finished my cough drop. My throat is numb, so we should be good for the rest of the show, Matt. I'm very excited. My number nine is uh, Drive-Away Dolls, coming out on February 23rd. Joel Cohen directed his minimalist Macbeth, The Tragedy of Macbeth, which I loved. Uh, black and white, current gorgeous film currently streaming on Apple TV Plus, I believe. Uh, no physical media release, unfortunately, as of yet that I'm aware. No, nope, that's wrong. I think it's out by Criterion. Not to think about it. Pretty sure. Well, what Ethan was doing was drive-away dolls about a pair of women who decided to escape from their lives or rent a car to go down south. But it ends up the guy who rents them the car rents them the wrong car. Because I guess there's something in it, mobsters, something, and it's going to be a hoot and that. It's a chase to get the car before the girls find out what's in the car, and then they find out what's in it, blah, blah, blah. Trailer's been out a couple times. I think it was out like nine months ago and then disappeared, and it's back out again now. So uh, Drive-Away Dolls is my nine. All right. My number eight as the populist hack of this side of the, the group is mm. uh, mm-hmm. Deadpool 3. I'm interested mm-hmm. to see what uh ryan reynolds brings to it i'm interested to see what disney and the mcu are going to do to said property and i have to admit the geek fanboy in me is very curious to see how to see hugh jackman back as wolverine in the yellow suit what else do we have in store so I am curious to see it i i as and as we just discussed earlier in the film that's or in, in the show it's the only MCU proper film that's coming out next this year. So I have to check it out. So I'm happy that Marina Baccarin is, is back in it again. And as, as well as Brianna Hildebrand as Negasonic Teenage Warhead. But did, did you know, I did not know this. And uh, this is a spoiler. I apologize, everybody. Jennifer Garner is in his Electra. Interesting. Okay. I didn't know that either. I did not. I was not aware of that, but I'm super excited as well for Hugh Jackman. And like you said, actually seeing the yellow suit. Now, I don't know if he's going to be actually in it a lot or if it's just a scene, whatever the case may be. But to have him in a proper Wolverine costume for the first time after playing that role since, what, the 90s? Is uh, exciting for me. That's very exciting. Honorable mention. All right. Number eight. This is why I was thinking I should make Maxine 8, because this is going to be a real... This is a coin toss, Matt. It's a coin flip. I don't know how this is going to shake out. 
but the original is so good. And I have some nostalgia too because it came out while I was working as I was running that movie theater in Torrington. And uh, it is such a great film. November 22nd, Gladiator 2 by Redley Scott featuring Paul Mescal is being released. He plays a grown version of Lucius Verus II, the nephew of the film's first antagonist, Commodus. So the little kid, Joaquin Feet, remember the little kid there? It's him as an adult. And the rest of the cast, though, includes Pedro Pascal, Connie Nielsen returns, and Denzel's in it. So I am I'm gonna roll the dice on Gladiator 2. Okay. Yeah, honorable mention for me, I am cautiously optimistic but i am the cautious is big enough to where it didn't make the list for me yeah i that's fair that's fair all right so talking about a film that has next to no information about it is the next one where hey we can keep forcing film run even if they never do another season to at least keep coming back and doing episodes for things that they've done in the past because Fidi Alvarez's Alien Romulus is supposed to be coming out this year. Fidi Alvarez, he is a horror director. I've enjoyed his work. Apparently, I'm not so high on some of the stuff that's come out on how he has treated some of his actors. Nothing. Oh, I haven't heard this. Well, um, Jane Levy, you know, said that he would really push her physically and. Yeah. You know, she was on board with that and okay with that to an extent for Evil Dead, but he just kept pushing it, especially for Don't Breathe. And I think mm-hmm. she she won't work with him anymore because he he was just too, I guess, too much of a diva director making her do things that she didn't physically that she didn't feel comfortable with or were too exhausting for her. So she has some not great things to say about his directing style. Interesting. And that girl who kicked the hornet's nest film is abysmal with uh, Claire Foy. Now, I don't know if that was studio interference or not, but that thing is just inert. I was really surprised by how bad that was. But uh, that's interesting. Yeah, that uh, uh, that's an honorable mention for me as well because of how bad I think hornet's nest is. So um, I'll have to, I'll have to see about that. Yeah. Hmm. Oh, I just had something else I was going to say too, and I totally blanked on what it was. Maybe it'll come to me. All right. What else, Matt? Um, yeah, so that, supposedly, too, that takes place between Alien and Aliens, right? And that's what, August 16th that's coming out? Okay. So I'm my number seven is TBD. There is no date release for it yet, but a Lynn Ramsey and Joaquin Phoenix reunite after uh, You Are Never Really Here for a film called Polaris, where uh, Joaquin plays a photographer who meets the devil in Alaska, uh, in the wilds of Alaska at the end of the 19th century. His wife, Rooney Mara, is in it as well. And I don't know, supposedly she may be playing the devil. I'm not sure. But uh, You never, re- you were Never Really Here is a film that really knocked me on my keister. And I am really interested to see, particularly with this story, and, you know, end of the 19th century, the wilds of Alaska, and the devil shows up. And I, I don't know. Conceptually, it's fascinating to me. So that's why it's my seventh. But no firm date yet. Yeah, so that's that's really interesting. You to say a meme, you you know, you've had you you had my curiosity, but now you have my attention. Because now I did not know that that was that was coming out. Now I'm I'm very curious to go check that out. So thanks for yeah. thanks for dropping some knowledge on me there, Chris. There you go, buddy. All right, so my next one is a 
film by, again, based solely on those who are involved. It is science fiction. It is the next film uh, from Bong Joon-ho. It is Mickey 17 starring Robert Pattinson. I don't know that much about it. Um, if you go to IMDb, it will say story under wraps. But what I do know is that uh, Mickey 17 is an expendable person, a disposable employee on a human ex expedition sent to colonize an ice world. After one iteration dies, a new body is regenerated with most of his memories intact. So I'm sure it's going to have some very interesting commentary. Obviously, I loved Parasite, so I'm interested to see what's next from him. And Robert Pattinson has been killing it as a, you know, as a solid uh, uh, actor in, in these films. So what's not to like? Yeah, great. My number six, then, I will uh, impact Matt's list a little early for him. And uh, this, again, is to be determined, uh, but supposedly it's happening this year. Unless you may know better than me, you can correct me. But Spider-Man Beyond the Spider-Verse, um, which I'm assuming will be a late 2024 release. The last film I really, really enjoyed. And I cannot wait to see how they wrap up this Miles Morales uh, animated trilogy. It is, they're just gorgeous films. The animated style and how they uh, illustrate these films is just beautiful. And I'm never not blown away by the visual aesthetics of these films, as well as the emotional heart of them. So, uh, yeah, that's my six. Yeah, yeah, I guess we will be talking about that later. So then my next film, I don't even remember where we are. Are we on five? Five. Uh, five. Is, we, is a film we talked about, I think, last week or the last time we had a show is uh, the Furiosa film uh, by... Um, um, starring what's I want to say Frank Miller, but I know that's not right. George Miller. George Miller. Um, you know I have my reservations. I wasn't blown away by the trailer, but you know what? I was a little iffy on Fury Road, and it's one of my favorite action movies of all time. So we'll we'll I'm I'm I would be lying to say that I'm not really excited to see this. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Gonna be a lot of this going back and forth. <laughs> so is, I yeah. will now do yeah, it to yeah. Matt. Okay. My number five, March first, is Dune Two. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh the first film which I enjoyed but was relatively underwhelmed by. But it's Villanueve. And supposedly, I think per Matt when we first watch it, this is where kind of the uh shit hits the fan. This is when things get real, as I like to say, down in the hard streets of Tampa. So uh, I'm uh, excited to see where we go next in the, the next chapter of the Dune series. And uh, that's my five. All right. Okay. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk about that later. So <laughs> my number four then is uh, the film that uh, dropped and has a bunch of right-wing crazy people super excited and thinking that uh, this is a, a, a – template of what's to come um alex garland's civil war about a civil war in the united states somehow which makes absolutely no sense to me texas and california have somehow teamed up and have successfully seceded honestly what really sold me on this was of course the always wonderful jesse plemons uh even if he's in it for like five minutes you know him terrorizing his wife and kirsten dunst is, is uh was scary and something i'm really on board to see yeah, uh, Civil War is my number four as oh, well. It's coming out April 26th. And uh, I will tell you, I was actually, like you were a little touch and go on Furiosa trailer. Mm -hmm. I had that feeling watching Civil War until America's sweetheart, Jesse Plemons, <laughs> shows up <laughs> and asks him, what do you say, what state are you from? Yeah, or yeah. where are you from? What are you, something like that. And he goes, no, really. Or whatever, how he does it. That delivery of that, it's like, all right, sign me up. I'm good. Yeah. I, think, I think we're okay. So uh, yeah, that's my four. There were initial 
releases or discussions that the film is like two hours and 45 minutes long Damn. or three hours like it's long but no supposedly it's like 140 oh nice so okay. it's an hour 40 minutes okay. so Not too uh, bad. yeah a little sigh of relief there for matt sure. all right so my number three i don't think this will make chris's list but i could be wrong but my number three is the latest film from david eggers a you know a director who some films I really you love. Don't think this would make my list. I'm not 100 percent sure if you're as sold mm. on this as as I am, but I guess maybe it's a number three as well for Chris. But it's uh, Nosferatu uh, again, the remake of the classic silent film that basically had to rip off Dracula because they didn't have the rights. Um, starring um, Bill Skarsgård as the titular Count Orlock. And I love the original Nosferatu, so I'm really, really excited to see what David Eggers does with the property. I love that. Do we trip over each other, or at least we sabotage each other for a few mm-hmm. picks? And then the next two were right in sync. Uh, Nosferatu is my number three as well, coming out on Christmas Day, featuring, as you said, Bill Skarsgård. Remember, that's Pennywise, mm-hmm. not uh, the Viking Skarsgård. Right. So, uh, yeah, I think my issue with Eggers is I was. The Northman was good. Mm-hmm. That was Eggers, right? Yeah, it was. And uh, that's right. I was confusing that with um, the Green Knight, which was what's his name, uh, the guy who did a. Uh... Either way. Yeah, no, I'm really excited about this. I think it seemed like one still or something like from this thing, mm-hmm. and I am super excited for. It. I love this kind of gothic horror, and Eggers is able to capture uh, world build or at least atmosphere and creepiness and stuff. I mean, just what the lighthouse, which is great. Mm-hmm. Um, what else, uh, what else? The, the, do? Oh, the witch. Yeah. I cannot wait to see what he does with the Nosferatu. with Nosferatu. So Merry Christmas, everybody. Merry Christmas. Maybe that is a film you should go see with your family. All right. Well, my number two then is something that was criminally low on Chris, on Chris's list. It's, uh, the final entry in the spider verse saga beyond the spider verse. Honestly, I'm a huge Spider-Man fan. I grew up Peter Parker. I like Miles a lot. And this these movies have really, you know, done a lot to really make me like him even more. But man, I, I have just been so impressed with as bad as Sony's live action films are, how mm. good this is. And it's one of the best superhero films, you know, franchises, series ever and I, I i really hope they nail the landing on this one and i i'm highly confident that they will yeah no that would yeah. fingers crossed so my number two then is mickey 17 coming out on march 29th uh this is a film matt talked about with pattinson this is bong joon ho's latest film he so there's a little more information i found so i got the disposable employee stuff matt sent on a deadly mission to colonize the ice world niflheim niflheim when one employee dies, he's cloned with the memories of the traveler who comes before him. Uh, so what the information I found also features Mark Ruffalo and Tony Collette. But uh, yeah, Mickey 17 is my number two. So your number one then is? Dune Deuce. And I believe it was my number one for the second half of the year last year. And I yes. was horribly, horribly robbed of it. I really adore the first film. I'm a big fan of Villeneuve and I'm super excited to see this. I'm hoping, I know it won't. I know this is going to be another Blade Runner 2049. And that kills me to say that because I would love for them to get into the really weird stuff of Dune where like, you know, 
Paul's kids turn into a giant sandworm with a human face. Like that kind of stuff I want to see on screen because it's so Too out weird. there. It's so out there. But yeah, I'm really looking forward to this because I, I think taking the two one-two punches just going to be fantastic. I'm excited for you. And then my number one then, I wasn't under, underwhelmed by the trailer. I think it looks great. And you bought a lot of goodwill, George Miller, from me from uh, from um, Fury Road. So Furiosa is my number one coming out on May 24th. Anya Taylor-Joe taking, Joy taking over the role of Charlie Theron. It's a prequel. Hemsworth looks like he's having an absolute blast. So, uh, yeah, I, I guess that's going to be my number one, specifically since there's no James Bond movie. There's no DCU proper film. No, no more new Doctor Fates. No Spectres. No Starmans. No nothing for me. So, uh, yeah, Furiosa, you are my number one. Matt, honorable mentions. So I only had a few that we didn't mention. Um, so weirdly, A Quiet Place Day One. I didn't love the... The Quiet Place films are, are pretty good. They're entertaining. But what makes this one interesting to me is that it's directed by Michael Sarnowski, which who did Pig. So I'm kind of curious to see what he does mm. with a, a property that's... If he can elevate this a little bit. Um, otherwise... Um, I'm a big Lord of the Rings geek, so apparently there's a Lord of the Rings animated film called uh, uh, War or War of the Rohirrim. Uh, so I am looking forward to that. And then I'd be lying again as a kid of the '80s to say that I'm not a little bit excited about Beetlejuice too. Tempered, but still kind of excited. Yeah, and stuff that Matt didn't mention that I'm interested in: Horizon and American Saga. Uh, both parts coming out, split up into two films. Both parts coming out this year, first on June 20th, and then August 16th. Directed, produced, and co-written by Kevin Costner. And it's a Western that follows the expansion of the American West during the time periods before and after the Civil War. I am morbidly curious about Eli Ross Borderlands, mostly because of the uh, cast coming out on August 9th. Kate Blanchett, Kevin Hart, Jack Black, Bobby Lee, Jamie, Kurt, Jamie Lee Curtis, Arya Greenblatt, and Edgar Ramirez star in that. This I don't know about Matt. September 13th, Transformers 1. We're rebooting the series, it looks like. This is a prequel set on Cybertron, and we're rebooting the voices, which I'm really nervous about. Chris Hemsworth is Optimus, and Brian Tyree Henry is Megatron. Also features Scarlett Johansson, Keegan-Michael Key, John Hamm, and Lawrence Fishburne. Um. So... I don't know about that. That is a bunch of bullshit because you cannot change Optimus Prime's voice. You can do whatever else you want with the property, but you cannot change his voice. What they should do too is pay that guy, pay that guy out with Peter McCullen. Is that his name? Pay him and his family off. Give him like a hundred million dollars and then AI that shit for the rest for eternity. That's what I would do just for, I, I'm against AI for art and all that kind of stuff, but there's some things I need to lock in. And one of them is Optimus Prime's voice. I, I, I do believe that. And then we talked about uh, that. You mentioned da, 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 da. Uh, Love Lies Bleeding coming out on March 8th. Rose Glass's newest film featuring Kristen Stewart. I just saw the trailer for this and it looks fantastic. This uh, Rose Glass did St. Maud, one of our favorite horror films from a couple of years ago. So I'm curious to see. This looks like a just a, a noir kind of thriller, crazy uh, film. If you haven't seen the trailer for Love Lies Bleeding, check it out. Looks really promising. And um, that's it, I guess. Uh, yeah, there's a film called Speak No Evil, which I think might be on Shudder. There's a Danish film. It's supposed to be really disturbing. 
And uh, there's a remake coming of it here on August 9th featuring James McAvoy. And then finally, nothing from Nicholas Friending reference that I can find. So I'm a little disappointed in that. Though I still haven't watched either of his TV shows. So uh, I got to catch up on those. Maybe that'll be part of what I do next year. Or this year. 2024. All right. I guess that's that. What are your thoughts? What are you looking forward to for next year or this year? Chris, it's 2024. Shoot us an email. Feedback at thefirstrun.org. Matt, what should we be? Uh, what should be we be? What are we talking about next week? Supposedly, maybe. Maybe. Well, we are going to resurrect dust off uh, Adam Driver's Italian accent for Ferrari, and I'm hoping that maybe he can do another one, do Lamborghini, maybe in a few years. But anyway, sure, yeah, sure. Uh, so we're gonna watch Ferrari, or maybe the Chef Boyardee, <laughs> Chef Boyardee biopic. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> and then we're gonna. Uh, we're going to watch, uh, from what it sounds like, uh, Bradley Cooper really just, uh, really just fillet himself uh, in his artistic <laughs> stuff, his artistic, uh, uh, mores with, uh, Maestro. But at least I, I don't have to go to the movie theater for that. Is that on Netflix or not yet? Netflix. It is. It is okay. Netflix indeed. So yeah. Thumbs up. I still, there's a couple things too, Matt. If you want to zoom on over, slide on over to the to be watched column, mm-hmm. there's, there's a few films there too that I'd like us to check out before we wrap everything up for the year. Okay. Uh, particularly, Zone of Interest is the one I keep looking for. I'm checking every couple of days, okay. and it's still no tickets for it yet. And then Iron Claw is supposed to be really good. And then uh, what else? American Fiction. I'm hearing great things about. And then Sofia Coppola's uh, Priscilla. So, and I want to mention before you called it film run. It's screen run. Screen. I did say that. Didn't I? I knew it was wrong when I said it, but then. I just didn't correct myself. I have had so much going on. I owe a response to Ms. Wan on that. Are you pulling a Dave? That may, Are you ghost center? Be, what's that? Are you pulling a Dave? Are you ghost center? I did. <laughs> I think I have. So I have. I email so bad. I've told her this. Do not email me. Text me. Mm-hmm. But um, I do owe her a response. Everything has been so crazy that I have not been able to get back to her. But I think we've settled on um, something for next year. Ooh, for this year. Exciting. But I'm not going to tell you what it is right now, just in case she hates me because I have not responded to her. So we'll see how that goes. I just, when I got sick, we had some family stuff here. Sure. The holidays, everything. I just, I've had no time. And you're going to be replaced. You're going to be a guest on your own show. Probably better for her. She'd probably enjoy that. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. All right. I will I'll email her today. Tomorrow? What time is it? Good Lord. All right. That's enough. Check us out at uh, thefirstrun.com. Go ahead and go to there and YouTube and Twitter and Instagram and um, Facebook, I guess. And uh, Letterboxd, I am telling you, I am focused. Oh, and the uh, report card, entirely updated on the First Run website. So you can see all the grades for the year, for last year so far. And uh, also archives of all the old shows. And I'm working on next just to get a player. I'm going to embed a player. So you could actually, instead of having to click on each episode to listen, you can just start it and just play an episode right there from the homepage. I don't know why I hadn't thought to do that before, because I'm an idiot. So uh, that's that. In the meantime, um, no, I did all the meantime stuff, right? Oh, go over to Apple Podcasts, give us a review. I'm still I'm still clearly not feeling 100%. Apple Podcasts, give us a review to help other people find the show. And, and I think that's that. That's that. That's that. So uh, we love you all very much. We hope you had a great holiday and a great New Year's. Take care of yourselves, and uh, we will see you soon.